Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 to 7 for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of david and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the lord of hosts will do this this is all speaking about Christ ruling and reigning in that thousand-year reign that we see in Revelation chapter 20. The fifth thing that he's going to accomplish through these 70 weeks is um, to seal both vision and profit, the verse says. There's not going to be another need, any more need of the revelation for Israel's future. All of this will be sealed up when the Lord comes back and returns all of prophecy will be sealed up. It's like, okay, close our Bibles, it's done with. That type of thing. The sixth thing, lastly, is to anoint the most holy place. Now, when you read that in the Hebrew, it says to anoint the most holy. Some think it's the Messiah. I happen to think it's the holy place of the temple that's going to be there in the millennial reign, that thousand-year reign. So these things are really the hope and dreams of all of humanity. All those things are going to be done when God is done with his people at the end of the tribulation period. Now, just those things alone should give you and I hope. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at how the 77s are broke down. I put a little screen there, a little um, thing. So in verse 24 that we read, the entire 70 weeks is there, 490 years. Daniel 9.25, the first 69 weeks, um, there's going to be one week and 62 weeks means 69 weeks. We see that in verse 25. In verse 26, there's the gap between the 69th and the 70th week. The 70th week is 70 years. We see that in Daniel 9.27 lined up with the tribulation period in Revelation chapter 6 through uh, 19. So here is how they're broken down according to Daniel. Now the 70 weeks are divided this way and I believe they're divided this way because it, the seven sevens, which is 49 years, is what it took to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. He could have just said 69 weeks and then get to the 70th week at the end. But he doesn't do that. He says seven weeks and he says 62 weeks for a total of 69 weeks. And I believe that, that reason is to get Israel 
or Jerusalem rebuilt. Now, I said that the ESV had a bad translation. Listen to the New American Standard. I believe this is a better translation because it keeps the 62 and the 70, uh, the 62 and the seven weeks together. The N- um, Daniel 9:25. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. See how he keeps them together. That is accurate to the Hebrew. Doesn't divide those. He says 62 or seven weeks and 62 weeks, then says it will be built again with plaza and moat even in times of distress. And even the footnote of the ESV version that you have says that same thing. It it actually says what I just read to you. Now, we're looking at a prophecy where God is going to finish his work with Israel. It's going to be 490 years. And the beginning of this 490 years is going to be right there in verse 25. Now, he says, Knowing therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and rebuild Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks, and then there's 62 weeks. So, here's what you've got. You've got a total of 69 weeks from the going out of a word. There's a decree given to go rebuild Jerusalem, to go rebuild the city. And the question is, where is that decree? Because if we know where that decree is, we can then figure out where the 69 weeks end up, right? Amen? You still with me? Okay. So there's four decrees given when the Jews are released from their captivity, as God promised he would do. Right now, the city's in ruins. Daniel's praying. The prophecy is given, and it's going to be a decree. Hey, you Jews can go back and rebuild Jerusalem now. There were four decrees given. Listen to these. One was in 538 B.C. by Cyrus the king. His decree was to rebuild the temple. That was 2 Chronicles 36, verse 23, and Ezra chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. There was another decree given after that, and that was kind of a reinforcement. Um, That went out by Darius Ezra, chapter 6, verses 1 to 2. You can read that decree. That's decree number 2. The third decree went out in 458 and was given by Artaxerxes, and we see this one in Ezra, chapter 7, verses 12 to 26, and there was a fourth decree. The fourth decree was given by Artaxerxes, In 444 B.C. to Nehemiah, you can read it in Nehemiah chapter 2, and that was going to rebuild the city. Now listen to me. There's only two possible decrees, two possible decrees that would fit the 69 weeks. You're looking at 69 weeks, 69 sevens of years, 483 years up to the coming of an anointed one. That's Jesus There's no question because the Bible says, then he's cut off. And that term in Hebrew, cut off, it literally was used of criminals to be killed. So Jesus was the innocent one that died for criminals like you and me. But there's no question of that. So there's only two possible ones that would fit. And that's the one in 458 B.C. and the one in 444 
B.C. Now the question comes, which one is it? Because there's two popular views. I was going to give you both, but for sake of time, I can only give you one today. And the one that I'm going to give you is what I'm kind of falling on again, only because of my restudy. Again, which tomb was Jesus buried in? Which we don't know, but we know he was buried in one or the other. And there's only two decrees that are going to fit. Now, when you look at the one in Nehemiah, it is the only decree that is used to go rebuild the city. The other three are used to rebuild the temple. When those decrees were given, they were given, go rebuild the temple. But with Nehemiah chapter 2, and you can read this later, that was to go rebuild the walls of the city. And they rebuilt the walls in 52 years. Uh, I mean, 52 days. But you see by the, the, the word here that the squares and moat uh, were going to be built. And then also in a troubled time. That's why most scholars will say 49 years is probably what it took to rebuild the city because it wasn't just the wall, it was the squares and it was the moat. Now I want you to see that. Then the 62 weeks it shall be, but in troubled times. Now when you read the book of Nehemiah and he is actually rebuilding the wall, they're fighting him. They had a sword in one hand, they had to work with the other. There was opposition that they had. In fact, it's exactly like what Daniel said. They didn't just go in and build the wall. They met opposition big time. And they had to rebuild the city in troubled times because of their enemies. So it fits like a T in that description. Now, I'm going with the 444 BC one, and I'm going to tell you why. Because of a guy named um, Harold Honer, who wrote a book, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to that in just a second, but I want you to listen. The first guy to ever do the math on this in modern history was a guy named Robert Anderson, Sir Robert Anderson. He sat down and he said, what are these weeks? Where do they add up to? And he called it from the time of the decree. At that time, it was 445 B.C., he thought of Artaxerxes and from that time to the triumphal entry, he figured it was 483 years. I'll tell you why 483 in just a sec. But Sir Robert Anderson was a man with Scotland Yard, and he was a brilliant man. He was there until 1901, and he actually helped solve Jack the Ripper case. You remember Jack the Ripper? You probably heard of him through history. He was like Bundy. Ted Bundy was a serial killer. No one could figure it out. But, but uh, Sir Robert Anderson was an attorney. He was uh, a criminal um, investigator. And the guy was into forensics. He studied, the, and he was a committed Christian. He's the first one in modern history to come up with this. Well, people started weighing the dates and everything else, and there was a guy named Harold Honer who was with Dallas Theological Seminary, and he comes along and says, wait a minute, Robert Anderson has the date wrong. It isn't 445 B.C., it's 44 BC, 444 B.C., and he redoes the figures because... Robert Anderson didn't have the archaeological evidence at that time. The decree actually went out in 444 B.C., not 445 B.C., and he goes in, he does the math. He wrote a book that is called um, The Chronological Aspects of the Life of Jesus Christ. Now, both men were brilliant, Robert Anderson, but so was 
Harold um, Honer. Harold Honer was a graduate of Cambridge University, and he had two doctorate degrees. He's not a dummy. Committed Christian teacher of the New Testament, teacher of the Old Testament, and he wrote that book on Jesus, the chronological uh, aspects of the life of Christ. You can order it, and you can do the details because you're going to have to look at the details, get deeper to understand where he's coming from and how he brings it. But bottom line, he figures that in Nehemiah chapter 2, that based on the dating, the archaeological evidence, that the decree was given on March 5th, 444 B.C. So take March 5th, 440 B.C. and go 483 years ahead. Now, most people use the solar years, 365 days. But they said, no, we have to use prophetic years because in the Bible we're seeing prophetic years, especially concerning the book of uh, the 70th week of Daniel. You look in the book of Revelation, they used a prophetic year of 360 days, not 365 days. So they do the math. He, he runs this math and he comes up with these figures and he finds out that his figures match right up to the day of the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. And that would have been March 30th of 33 AD is what he comes up with. Now again, there's another uh, plausible uh, theory on this, but when you look at his and you look at his work and you look at his details, you're going to be absolutely amazed because he, he, from the going out of that decree, 483 years times 360 uh, day years comes to 173,880 days, and he throws in a leap year every now and then that the uh, history calendars show us. And he comes up with that exact arrival of Jesus Christ. Now, why I think that is important, because on the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ, that is really when he was presented as the Messiah. You remember on that day, right? They came in. He comes in on a donkey. They're hailing him as the king. And for the first time, he is recognized as the Messiah and the king. They just didn't realize that at his first coming, he was going to die. Now listen to Luke chapter 19, why I believe that this fulfillment has to be to the exact day. And it's what Jesus tells them on his triumphal entry. So here's Jesus. He's on the Mount of Olives. We've been there. We've walked the walk and we walked into Jerusalem so we know the distance. He's on the donkey. He's coming in. They're, they're hailing him as king. Hosanna the highest, right? They're, they're just hailing him and they're, they're throwing coats down and everything else. They're waving palm branches and everything else as a sign of royalty. And he comes in and here's what he says. He says in chapter 19 of Luke, and when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it saying, would that you even know, had known on this day, he says this day, the things that make for peace but now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus is accusing them for not recognizing his triumphal entry, where would they have gotten that? I believe Daniel chapter 9 would have made it very, very 
clear to all of their Jewish scholars that they could have figured it out just like a David Honer, just like these others. Now look what happens. Look what he prophesies. Watch this. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then there's 62 weeks. That's 69 weeks. That comes out to 173,880 days. You can do the math yourself. Read Honer's book. Get into the details. Now watch this. And after the 62 weeks, which is actually 69 because the first seven have to be added to that, an anointed one shall be cut off and will have nothing. Remember, they even gambled for Jesus' clothes. He had nothing. He was cut off. Again, that word means to execute. It means to execute. And the people of the prince who is to come, the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war, desolations are decreed. That happened in 70 AD when Roman general Titus came in. It's all documented. He destroyed the city. He came in like a flood, destroyed the temple, destroyed everything like Daniel said, but the prince who is to come is still in the future. He is the Antichrist. He is on the 70th week. Watch this. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. That didn't happen with General Titus at all. And for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out uh, on the desolator. That happens in the book of Revelations chapter 6 to 19. I'm going to have them throw a chart up so you can understand this and get it in your mind. Uh, can you blow that up? 444 B.C., the decree goes out. You've got seven sevens, 49 years. You've got 62 times seven, 434 years. Total of 483 years times 360 days. Years would be uh, 173,880 to the triumphal entry, Luke chapter 19, Honer pins this to the day, and you have to see his math on this. You have to see his math before you criticize him. You have to read the book, or just that portion of it. And then we're now in the gap year. We're now in the gap year, the church age. That's why you're here today. But the tribulation, the final week that he speaks of at the end, is seven years that's going to take place in Revelation chapter 6 through 19. And there's a guy that rises up. We've talked about him. Uh, Revelation chapter 13, he's the Antichrist. He's going to come against God's people. Now, what's interesting, it says he's going to make a covenant with them, and he's going to break that covenant three and a half years into the tribulation period. That tells you one thing. There's not a temple in Jerusalem, but Sean had said it, I think, in Daniel chapter 8. There is a place called the Temple Institute. We've been there. They've got everything prepared to rebuild the temple. There is going to be a covenant. This Antichrist is going to rise up. He's going to make a covenant with Israel. And they're going to resume sacrifices halfway into it. He's going to break that covenant. And he's going to go in and he's going to set himself up in the temple as God, which is the abomination of desolations that Daniel speaks of and what Jesus speaks up in, in Matthew chapter 24. He brings it up. He says, when you see the abomination of desolations take place, you better run for the wilderness. And he talks about the elect in that chapter, the elect that are going to be persecuted are not believers. 
The elect in Matthew's gospel, chapter 24, speaking of the Jewish people. They did not recognize the time of their visitation. This prophecy needs to be dealt with on a Wednesday night in an hour and a half so you can see the different views. But I showed you what I believe at this moment. Because both most plausible views will land right to the day. You say, how does that happen? It isn't an accident. What are the odds of that happening? What were the odds of the Philadelphia Eagles winning the Super Bowl? This is worse. And in closing, I would tell you this. This prophecy alone is enough to assure you that the Bible is the authentic word of God. The Koran doesn't do anything like this. The holy writings of Buddha and all these other holy books that are out there, they, they're not authenticated. Prophecy authenticates the word of God. When I was on vacation, I watched Pond Stars. What is it? Pond Stars. I was flipping through the stations and I saw Pond Stars. This guy comes in and he's got this thing. He's showing it to him and it's signed by some guy in history and everything else. And he says, man, well, they bring an expert in to authenticate. He says, if this is real, this is going to be worth $80,000. If this isn't real, sorry, Charlie, it's worth three hundred. He goes in, the guy looks at it and it looks so real and everything else. And he says, I'm sorry, this isn't authentic. Bummer. That, that was the worst day of that guy's life right there. But, but see, there needs to be authentication in everything in life. The prophecies in Scripture authenticate God's Word. The Bible is God's Word. When people say we got a writing from God or we got a revelation from God, when they're, when they're saying that, does it line up with the Bible? And there's so much stuff out there on the Internet right now, people don't know what to believe because they're not in the prophecies. They're not into the Scriptures as a whole. They're listening to everything their friends are saying. And yet you see a magnificent prophecy like Daniel that encourages all of us. Everything can nosedive tomorrow, but God will keep his promises. The second thing I would say is God is fulfilling his promises to Israel as evidence that he'll fulfill his promise to you and me. When you read the newspapers and every time you see conflict in Israel and you see what's going on in Israel, there shouldn't be an Israel there. It's against all odds that they would be not, the, the Philistines, the Amalekites, the Hittites, the flashlights, the whateverites out there, they're no, no longer nations. They're not around anymore. Israel's the only one that lived in the land that far that was resurrected as a nation. And every time you look at that, you say, man, God, thank you. Because I can trust your word. What you promised to me, I know I can trust because you're fulfilling your promises to, to Israel. Every, modern Israel is a miracle. In 70 years, that nation grew to incredible power like nobody else. 70 years. 70 years they came the superpower in the Middle East. Iran couldn't touch them, the Arab state. Why is that? Those aren't accidents. So when you look at Israel, we know that our promises are going to be fulfilled. We know Jesus came. Everything prophesied about Christ in the first coming was fulfilled. We're loaded with scriptures. 
But if you want tangible evidence today and somebody says, hey, does God still do miracles today? Well, the biggest one's right over there in the Middle East. The last thing I want to say is that you need to recognize his visitation. That Jesus on the triumphal entry on that, they rejected him. They did not recognize his visitation. But in the church today, people don't recognize his visitation. And Israel is under God's judgment right now. But you, if you don't know Christ and you don't recognize that Jesus is the promised Messiah that God sent to save us from our sins, you are going to be under God's judgment too. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro. Or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977